good tidings, good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast. I am your radio pastor, David Pinkerton, and I am blessed that you're tuning in today to WXAN Radio 103.9 FM here in our region. And then if you're listening across the internet, you can find us at www.com wxanradio.com and when you click on that then you can click on the listen live link and you can hear the broadcast as well as the scheduled programming here at the radio station i am glad to be with you today here we are looks like we're embarking upon a new month of june and it's an exciting time the summertime is here and uh, time for family friends faith fellowship and just to get out and about and enjoy God's beautiful creation. We're glad you're tuned in. If you would, let your friends know. Call them right now. Uh, Shoot them a text. Shoot them an email. Whatever. Let them know that the Good Tidings radio broadcast is on. Uh, We're on Central Standard Time every Saturday, as the Lord be willing, from 11 o'clock in the morning until about 1130, give or take a few moments for our news and so forth. But we're thankful for uh, WXAN Radio and ask you to pray for WXAN Radio and support it, okay? I want to share with you this morning um, a passage in Luke. Grab your Bibles. Go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Remember when we opened the Bible that we're opening the mind of God because the Bible is the Word of God. Scripture says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. We're thankful that we have the Bible. It uh, guides our life. It is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. Luke chapter number 23, I want to speak to you this morning on a sermon entitled, The Most Important Event in Human History. The Most Important Event in Human History. Luke chapter number 23, and I draw your attention to verse 33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Verse 34, then said Jesus, and here comes your first cross utterance, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The most important event in human history is found in verse number 33 of Luke 23, and that is, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. Now, history has recorded, and it will record many important events, things such as the Cold War, Pearl Harbor, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, the Great Depression, the American Civil War, the Vietnam War, World War One, II, the Korean War, the American Revolution, the fall of the wall in Berlin, the Normandy landings, Hurricane Katrina, uh, the Black Death, 9-11, the Gulf War, the Six-Day War, and on and on. History is recorded and will record many important events. Many of them happened recently, many of them in the not-too-distant past, but some out there quite a ways now. But what I want you to think about this morning is the most important event, in light of all these, they had their importance that we've just mentioned, but the most important event in human history, folks, took place when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross 
at Calvary. Luke chapter 23 and verse 33, and when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. So I want you to think about everything that we've mentioned already about major historical events, but they pale into insignificance when compared to the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus' crucifixion is the most important event in human history. And let me share with you several reasons why we believe that. Jot these down. Make a note of these, please. The most important event in human history, and here are the reasons why. Number one, it involved the greatest person who ever lived. It involved the greatest person who ever lived. Jesus Christ is without peer in human history. No one out of all the billions who have ever been born ever experienced the birth like Jesus. His was a supernatural, miraculous virgin birth. At least 700 years before the time of his birth, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 7:14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, some argue that the Hebrew word translated virgin in this verse is Alma and could be translated young woman. But the context in which it is found clearly shows that the word should be virgin. The Bible says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, note this. The birth of Jesus Christ was to be a sign. If the verse had read, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son, that would not have been a sign. It's certainly not unusual for a young woman to be with child at any given point in human history. Literally multiple thousands and hundreds of thousands of young women are with child. But if indeed a virgin should conceive, that would be a sign. And being born of a virgin, Jesus did not inherit the sin nature that we inherited when we were born. The Scripture declares in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. By one man Adam, the first man, sin entered into the human race. And every offspring of Adam, which is you and I, inherited the sinful nature because of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. In Psalm chapter 51 and verse 5, David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, he's speaking to the Christian, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The word sin in this verse, refers to the sinful nature with which all of us are born. We are born with a sinful nature. You have to teach a child to do what is right. You do not have to teach a child to do what is wrong because they already know how to get into mischief because of the sin nature in which they're born with. If Jesus Christ had been the offspring of Adam, he would have inherited the same sin nature that we inherited when we were born. And thus, he would have owed the same penalty that we owe and been unable to be the sinless substitute required to pay the sin debt. But the Bible makes it clear that God in heaven is the Father of Jesus Christ. In John three sixteen, he is called the only begotten Son. This expression is found at least five other times in the New Testament. 
No one who believes the Bible can doubt the virgin birth of Jesus. Amen. To do so is to deny the plain statements of Scripture. Jesus not only experienced a birth that no one else experienced, but he lived a life that no one else ever lived before or ever will live again. He was completely sinless. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16, the Bible says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The Bible goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, For he, that's God, hath made him, that's Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You're not made righteous by keeping the sacraments, by being baptized, by taking communion. You're only made righteous through Jesus Christ when you, by faith, trust him to be your personal Savior. Have you trusted Christ to be your personal Savior? Have you been born again of the Spirit? Do you know for sure that if you died today, you would go to heaven? That's not presumptuous to say that. It's a biblical certainty. The Bible says, These things are have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. To believe on the name of the Son of God means to trust Jesus Christ personally as your Savior. That believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that ye have, not going to get, but you currently have, everlasting eternal life. So we see that the greatest event in human history, which is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, it involved the greatest person who ever lived, and that's Jesus. Remember when Pilate turned Jesus over to the angry mob, and he said, I find no fault in him, in John 19, 4. And then one thief being crucified with Christ turned and looked at the other and said, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, speaking of Christ, hath done nothing amiss. Luke 23, verses 40 and 41. Jesus never uttered a word, entertained a thought, performed a deed, or expressed an attitude that was sinful. No one ever did the things that Jesus did. He unstopped deaf ears. He opened blind eyes. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He caused the lame to walk. He even raised the dead. He can still do that this day, folks. He is God, and he was God in the flesh when he walked on this earth. Not to mention his other miracles, including turning the water to wine, feeding 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fishes. He is the only true miracle worker. Do you need a miracle in your life? Come to Christ. Ask Christ. Believe Christ. He can do it. He's the only true miracle worker who ever walked across the face of this earth. We say again that the cross of Jesus Christ was the most important event in human history because it involved the most important person who ever lived. Secondly, I submit to you that the cross of Christ was the most important event in human history. Number two, because it included the most people who ever lived. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross included every person who has ever lived since Adam, billions who are living today, and all the people who will ever live no matter how long the world stands. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, the Bible clearly confirms this fact. 
Here the scripture says about Christ that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Notice the expression, every man. The expression man also includes women and literally means every individual. It's not difficult to understand that every individual really means every individual. That is, everyone who has ever lived, everyone who lives now, and everyone who will live in the future. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross excluded no one. The only ones who are excluded are those who exclude themselves by refusing to trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and to accept the payment that He made for their sins. Now, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? The Bible says in Romans 3 and verse 23, all have sinned. You have to recognize and agree with God that you are a sinner. You know that you are. When God laid out the Ten Commandments, the Bible says in Galatians that the law, or the Ten Commandments, were our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. When you lay down the Ten Commandments and then lay your, your life against the Ten Commandments, if you violate even one of the Ten Commandments, you are guilty of violating them all. Thus, you have nothing to offer God as payment for your sin. He won't receive anything. You can't offer Him anything. But when you lay your life against the Ten Commandments, you find out that you need a Savior. And that's why the law or the Ten Commandments was given to Moses, to show the people that they can't keep them, they should try, but they can't. In order to use it as a measuring stick for your salvation, you'll die lost and go to hell if you're trying to keep the Ten Commandments. That's why you must recognize you're a sinner, that God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, born of the Virgin, to live a sinless life on this earth, to die on the cross of Calvary as we're preaching this morning, the most important event in human history, shed His blood in your place, and not ours only, but the sins of the whole world He died for, and He was buried, and then He was uh, resurrected the third day. Now you as a sinner, if you'll just come to Christ and put your faith in Him, And you do that through a simple prayer of faith. Follow me in this prayer if you'd like to ask Christ to be your Savior. Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. I'm trusting you and you alone to take me to heaven. We believe if you've done that, you've been born again. The Bible says that. It's a spiritual birth. God saved you by grace, not by works. And now you've been given the free gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Tell your pastor. Tell your parents. Tell someone. Give us a call here at the radio station. We'll rejoice with you. Send me an email, drdave13 at gmail.com. We'll be glad to rejoice with you and get you some materials to help you start the Christian life. But someone rightly said that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was sufficient for all, but it is efficient only to those who believe on him. Read again the plain verse of John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The word world does not refer to the ball of clay that we stand on, but to the people. The world is the people. And the word whosoever means exactly what it says. It does not say if the elect would believe or if a certain group would believe. 
it plainly promises that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, should not perish or go to hell, in other words, but have everlasting life. It's dishonest to accept the fact that all men are sinners and reject the fact that Jesus Christ died for all men. John Calvin, an intellectual man, but he was wrong when he dealt with elect and predestination. That's another message for another day. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, not just for a few, the whole world. Whosoever will may come and take the water of life freely. The Bible says plainly, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But it is dishonest to accept the fact that all men are sinners and reject the fact that Jesus died for the sins of all men, because the same Bible in the same book and in the same verse teaches both truths. Here it is in Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, that's Christ, the iniquity of us all. There are two alls in that verse. One of the alls teaches the universal fact of sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. There you have it. Every individual who has ever lived has gone astray. He has sinned. But notice too, the Lord hath laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. God in heaven took our sins, our iniquities, and laid them on Jesus. And according to this verse, he took the iniquities of all people and laid them on Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's simply deceitful and dishonest to say the first word all means everyone who has ever lived or ever will live, and then say the second word all in this verse means only an elect few. John Calvin was wrong. And if you believe in Calvinism, you're wrong. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. John Calvin was wrong. No, the Bible means that it means what it says. All means all. The death of Jesus on the cross includes all people, whoever have lived, who are living now, and who will ever live. Hallelujah. What a wonderful scope. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful substitute. What a wonderful Savior and a wonderful salvation. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, the song says. A day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. But there are some other reasons why the crucifixion of Jesus was the most important event in human history. I want us to note, note thir- in the third place why the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is and was the most important event in human history. Number three, I submit to you, it initiated the greatest price that was ever paid. The price paid on the cross of Christ for our salvation exceeds human explanation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. In other words, it's un- we're unable to tell it all. We're unable to tell it out. This unspeakable gift. If I could speak every human language known to man and knew by memory the words contained in each of those languages— I could not describe in a thousand lifetimes the price that Jesus paid for our sins. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 18 and 19, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. The word translated precious in this verse 
is the Greek word timios, and it literally means valuable. So tell me, if you can, how much it's worth to be rescued from the torments of a literal burning hell day and night forever and ever. Tell me how much it is worth to have an eternal mansion in heaven where streets are made with pure gold. Tell me how much it's worth to live forever and ever and ever, never knowing a pain, a sorrow, a care, or a disappointment. Tell me how much it's worth to have a glorified body that will never grow old, never get tired, and never experience sickness. Tell me how much it's worth in this life alone to have a peace and tranquility of heart that cannot be bought with money, And to have the assurance beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you're going to heaven. Tell me if you can, and you will only have begun to explain the price paid at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus' death bought all of this and more, not only for one person, but for every person who has ever lived or ever will live. No wonder Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. If he had said ye are bought, the very statement would have implied a price. But the fact that he added with a price means the purchase was expensive, folks. It is used much the same as we would use it today when we say he paid a, uh, a certain price for that house. Of course, everyone who buys a house pays a price for it, but the statement means a high price. The price of our salvation was the substitutionary sufferings of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. If he didn't suffer all, we would have to suffer. If we died and went to hell and stay there forever and ever, then the price for sin has not been paid. But Jesus suffered on the cross. All all of that, that every individual who has ever lived or ever will live, so they don't have to suffer, Jesus paid for it. I suppose it's impossible for the most brilliant human mind to comprehend that kind of suffering. And I know that it is impossible for mind, mind to comprehend it. Dr. Tom Malone said, and I quote, he, being Jesus, suffered from all from three different directions. He suffered at the hands of man, at the hands of God, and at the hands of Satan. Of course, he was correct. At the cross, Jesus, or rather, Satan bruised Jesus' heel. God Almighty himself gave his son for our sins, and it was men who plucked his beard, beat his back, plated the crown of thorns and placed it on his head and thrust the spear into his side. But his suffering paid the price for our sins. Hallelujah. What a Savior, Jesus. The song says, Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement. Can, can it be? Hallelujah. What a Savior. The, the cross of Jesus Christ is the most important event in human history because, number one, it involved the greatest person who ever lived. Number two, it included the most people who ever lived. And number three, it initiated the greatest price that was ever paid. And I'm going to say quickly, number four, it invites the greatest number of participants ever invited.
everyone, absolutely everyone is invited to the cross and thus to the Savior. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Dr. John Rice used to say that when God gave this last invitation, he seemed to open the door as wide as he possibly could open it, saying, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The cross of Jesus Christ is, was, and forever will be the most important event in human history. Christian, tell someone about Jesus today. He's coming soon to rapture all believers. Then a tribulation period is going to ensue. And then he's coming back at the end of the tribulation in Revelation 19 with all born-again believers and himself on a white horse with a vesture dipped in blood, saying, King of kings and Lord of lords to set up his millennial reign. And that's when perfect government will come to this earth. Tell someone about Jesus. He loves you. Keep looking up. He's coming again. The most important event in human history. Thanks for tuning in today to the Good Tidings radio broadcast. I am your radio pastor, David Pinkerton. It's been an honor to have you. Tell someone to tune in again uh, next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. The most important event in human history, the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. He's finally here. Emmanuel. God is with us. Oh, yes. To fear. For unto.